Hi, it's Chris from uh, Easy Crypto, and on this week's podcast, we have Sam Kamani, and I'm going to get him to introduce himself and to get him to tell us a little bit more about what he does in crypto. Go for it, Sam. Yeah, thank you. Thank it's a it's a pleasure to be here. And first of all, I'll give you a bit of a background. You know, last 15 years I've been involved in tech startups. My first startup was in e-commerce space. I built a startup. I um, sold it in 2015. Then I joined uh, an esports startup as a COO or chief operating officer. I was based with it in Silicon Valley for a short time. Then that company got acquired in 2018. While I was there, I went to all the major sort of blockchain summits and crypto conferences and all that. And I dabbled a bit into building some small minimum viable products and stuff for advising various startups in, in blockchain and crypto. But after that company got acquired, I came back to New Zealand last 20 years. I've mostly I've been in New Zealand. My family is here and all that. And I wrote books on tech startups. I worked with or advised with or did consulting for different firms in, in like regular tech startups or in blockchain. But then um, around a year and a half ago, I saw all my friends, whether they were working for Google or Amazon or didn't matter, they were all leaving or Facebook, leaving their jobs and either starting their own companies or going and working for companies that work in blockchain or Web3. That's when I thought that, you know what, I want to go into this 100% of my time as well. And I could see the potential, I could see the future. So that's when I left everything else. I started a podcast on Web3, where I interview people and in Web3. So they are founders of other companies and stuff, or they're investors in Web3. So I interview them and I joined a company called Moonstream.to a few months ago, where we build the building block for Web3 games or play-to-earn games or, or so sort of blockchain-based games. And yes, yeah, so that's what we do. We have a product that allows people to do things like airdrops and loot boxes and loyalty programs or, or leaderboards on-chain. So it just makes it really, really easy for games to do that and sort of and grow the size of their economy, size of their token. Um, so yeah, that's one of our product. Uh, some of our team is um, currently in, in New York City because of the NYC.NFT event going on. So yeah, so that's, that's a bit about what I do these days. But I've been a gamer most of my life, so quite passionate about sort of gaming and, and the use of blockchain and the use of crypto in, in gaming. So this is quite interesting, is this, because... You're really excited about blockchain. You, it, it comes across in, in your voice. You're passionate about it and you believe in it and in the future. Now, obviously, as we speak, as we do this podcast, we've seen the biggest drawdown in crypto. And yes. A lot, a lot of retail investors had their fingers burnt. But yet we're seeing some really good news come out of the actual projects and the utilities of the projects. So it's, it is, it's an interesting one that one's going one way and one's uh, going the other. I mean, from our point of view, we need to be looking long-term, we need to be looking at the future, and we need yes. to be seeing what's happening in crypto. We also need to take into account, obviously, at the moment, I think it's about $900 billion that's been wiped off the market since the peak. Yes. And obviously, at this point, there's quite a lot of retail investors going, oh, my God, don't want to be in crypto, I've had my hands burnt, blah, blah, blah. And actually, it's the time to be thinking about getting in. Not necessarily, we haven't seen the bottom yet. I don't think we've personally seen the bottom because of 
Of, I also uh, don't think uh, we have seen the bottom yet. It's like if I remember, because I've been there, even in 2012, 2013, I tried to mine some Bitcoin. I'm quite familiar with, I'm, I love technology. So I was doing Google AdWords in 2004 when people were calling me silly and saying that I should be doing ads on, on yellow pages and stuff. I mean, back then, you have to think of this 18 years ago. 18 years ago, Google AdWords was brand new. You could, I was buying Google AdWords for a few cents and, and making huge profits out of those. Um, and that's how I started my first e-commerce um, company and stuff ba on basis of that, that led me to It's connections. funny you say that because yeah, that's 18 years ago, you were doing Google AdWords. 17 years ago, I was doing Google AdWords uh, for a state agency. We, and we grew to one of the largest estate agencies in Yorkshire. We, sold, we have subsequently sold it. But at yes. the time, everyone was like, you do nothing. Just can't put a newspaper advert up. Oh. Exactly right. Yes, uh, newspaper advert, radio advert, TV advert, all that stuff. Um, but the thing is, it's all about enterprise attention um, when it comes to marketing. So um, where is the enterprise attention? Like if I'm doing ads now, I would... The only platform I'd look at is TikTok. Um, there is just no, no competition to that, you know? So the same thing is like when I look at technology, which facilitates other technology, I would look at blockchain. Of course, I would look at AI and VR and all those sort of things, but they are still a bit too early. Blockchain is here right now and it is solving problems. Crypto is here right now and it is solving problems for millions around the world, even though the most of the things that I see, um, the difference in the, in the West is, even I live in a, in a westernized country, is that we are using crypto to only trade. People outside of the West are using crypto to do a lot more things that have a lot more utility. And that's where I see the future is going to be really, really bright. It's like um, I have hired people all around the world. And I, when I hire someone in, say, Azerbaijan or Nigeria and PayPal doesn't work there and so many other um, things like Stripe doesn't work and so many other payment platforms don't work and they only want to get paid in some form of a crypto, whether it is USDC or USDT or, or any whatever their currency they want, um, they want to get paid in crypto. They didn't want to get, even when it is, a, it is a downturn, they'll take a payment in a stable coin. So it is solving real problems. And even now, Kenya is leading in form of like one of the leading countries when it comes to sort of microtransactions and paying people using some form of a, of a blockchain. So that's why I'm quite optimistic about the long-term situations. And, you know, there is the thing that, okay, I think it's more than 900 billion. It's, I think probably it's around 1.2 or 1.4 or trillion that's been wiped off the market. Maybe I'm calculating in, in US dollars, but that doesn't really matter to projects which are going to build something that is useful, that will be used by people. Um, and it's not traded just for the sake of trading. If you're just, you have a token for the hit, sake of trading, then yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there, build something that's useful. If it is useful, and all of us would agree that Google is useful, Amazon is useful. Absolutely. And if you build something like that, then you're going to do really well, regardless of what's happening. I mean, Amazon went down by 80% five times before it got to the share price where it is now. Yeah. It's all about looking into the future, I think, with crypto. And it's all about, I, I see crypto as a bit of a, an iceberg. The cryptocurrency yes. is what the newspapers publish 
about i bitcoin's gone down eve's gonna go because down. it's easy because there's a dollar value attached to it so it's easy um how do you measure the the utility it's it's a lot harder sometimes utility is like it's very hard to go and see okay how many people really are using it for the utility and how many of the transactions are not just because people are trading it you say the utility is the is the iceberg underneath yeah and as long as you build things that have utility that have value um, that enrich someone's life or make someone's life easier you're sorted for the next many many years or you will be one of the richest person um, you know, it, it is the same thing that happened in 2017-18. Market was at peak. There were thousands of um, shit coins, and there was um, that were you know raising money through VCs and and raising money using influencers. Same thing, same thing as what we are saying right now. And all those things that were there in 2017-18 that didn't provide any value, that didn't provide anything useful, they all disappeared. But a lot of the projects that we are saying in in this um, sort of bull run, which we saw over the last year, year and a half, they were all conceived around 2017, 18, like OpenSea. Back then, NFT, no one even knew about NFTs or anything like that. But their project, I think, started around 2017, 18 or something like that, or just after that. And it's now worth multiple billion dollars. Last year, they did, I don't know, what, 21 billion in revenue or something or something crazy like that. So yeah, there will be lots and lots of projects that have started in 2021 and they're starting now in 2022. And the real potential of these projects, we are only going to see by 2025, by the time they are built and starting to provide value to people. So if you are a young person looking for a job, go and find one of these projects you know, that is providing value to people and, and join that and be part of their founding team, just like the Ethereum name services and things like that. They were all born three, four years ago or two, three years ago. So the projects that are starting now in this crypto winter, they're going to be massive, massively big. They're going to be worth billions of dollars in by 2025. And you could be part, you could be part at the ground level of some of those projects now. So this is a fantastic opportunity. I want to delve into a couple of things. Um, sure, sure. Go for it. And that is... My wife's put, because my wife does all the notes. She does all the research. She's an, an amazing woman behind every great. You guys are an amazing team, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. She has put this, that you're a part-time artist. Now, the reason I bring, yes. that, I bring that up is, is, is um, virtual art galleries, NFTs. Yes. What's your experience in that? Have you got an interest in that? Have you, have you delved in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um. I do have interest in it. I have dabbled in it and I do make art, but I do make it for fun. It's like when I was running my e-commerce business and at time when I was trying to sell that and exit from it, it was quite um, stressful because not only I had to run the business, manage the, all the 10 plus 12 plus employees and, and, and then do another full-time job of like selling the business itself. Cause all these companies would want to come in and, and see everything and open all the books and, and work in our business to see how it's all run. And then they might decide to buy it and not buy it. And that process lasted a year of different companies coming and have a look. And, and one day we are getting $5 million and the next day we are like, oh, they're canceling the deal. And <laughs> so it was super stressful time. So that's when I started um, doing some of the 
yeah, some of the art again and stuff. But but both my parents are artists, and so yeah, I I, I have always have done art, and I know how to do all painting and and make good paintings and stuff. So I did that for fun. I don't commercialize it because commercializing it is a whole different ball game itself. You have to build a brand around it, just like any any crypto project, like you know, or any NFT project. You have to build a brand around it. You have to network with the right people and you have to be in the right galleries at the right time and have the right buyers and the family offices involved and stuff and so it, it is the same thing with nft projects there are lots of criteria that makes an nft project a success or a failure like one of that is community you have to nurture a part of, like a strong community you have to give them a reason to believe in you you have to um, it always helps if the um, a larger brand name is associated with it. I mean, a few months ago, Snoop Dogg was that brand name or Gary Vee was that brand name. So it always helps if there is a brand name of like a big brand, whether it's Nike or Under Armour or any any sort of a consumer brand is attached to it because people start to associate with this. And, you know, you have to see what happened during the last two years, like of the COVID and stuff. How do people express or people convey their social standing in, in real life. They do it by wearing designer brands. They have like, you know, Burberry or they drive a Bentley or they have a Range Rover or whatever, you know, um, designer Louis Vuitton or whatever designer goods they wear um, to convey that they belong to a certain social class. Now, when all the meetings are done on Zoom and all everything is online, anyone you're con communicating is just via Twitter, you're based somewhere in, in the upstate New York or not, not no longer in the downtown, you know, in London or um, you're in, I don't know, in the countryside, it, it, you're not going to see anyone. How do you convey that you are worth millions of dollars without, when person's not able to see you? They are going to see your Twitter picture. And if you can convey that you own a CryptoPunk, then you are you either are so technologically advanced and, and an early adopter that you bought it in 2017 for $80 <laughs> or- Is that what they were at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. And, and at the peak of the market, they were three to $6 million each. Or you have so much money that you can spend $3 million or 2 million pounds or something on a JPEG image that you don't care. So it conveys the social status and anything that conveys social status, you can command a premium price for, <laughs> which has always been, which has always been, you know, whether it is the largest diamond that you want in your crown or it is whatever it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive social status conveying thing. So that's part of the reason why NFTs captured the, the gist of the culture so much uh, of 2021. Now, 2022, the world is opening up. People are meeting again. People are going to conferences. You can go back to your um, wearing your designer brands and you no longer need to rely on the JPEG image. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of the factors. There's, of course, lots of factors. Of course, there's government not printing as much money, so that money is not flowing back into the, into the crypto and the stocks and the property and the bonds and all these sort of things. Um, so... There's multiple factors, but that was one of the factors for the boom time in the in the NFT market. Now, I want to delve down into between Web 2 and Web 3. Um, yep. My background is investment banking and development, as in computer coding. So 
I think it's a good subject to talk about to educate the viewers as to what Web 2 is and what Web 3 is. Yeah, sure. So Web 2, I mean, let's say like Web 1, you know, back in the 1990s and stuff, late 90s, um, there were all these websites. They're all like static blogs, lots of text you can read there. Some of them, you can write your own blogs and stuff, some places, um, or you can write your own messages and stuff. That was more like Web 1, like where you just read and write. Web 2 came and then it added another aspect and that was sharing. And that gave rise to all these different social media startups such as Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all those you can say you can add your comments, you could share those videos or text or images and Instagram and all those sort of things. And it became a lot more viral, it became a lot more social. Um, so it was read, write and share. That was Web 2. And also it was aided by the, you know, the advancements in mobile technology. So it allowed more people to share a lot more easily. Now we are reaching sort of the new era, which that's why there's all these technologies coming together that people have been working on for ages, such as virtual reality or augmented reality and artificial intelligence and all those along with blockchain. So blockchain does allow certain level of decentralization. So you don't have to go to the sort of the stock market or anything. You, um, a lot of the platforms are creating their own tokens and rewarding people for using their platform or allowing or creating governance tokens to allow people who use the platform to dictate what they want to be done on the platform. So these are still extremely early days, but that is what Web3 is. Web3 is read, write, share, and then also own. So you own the platform because currently when you participate in Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, the more messages you write on it, the more things you share on it, they are not rewarding you with any money or any stock in their company or, or anything. Even though you are doing a lot of their work, you're doing the heavy, heavy carrying of the platform. Whereas Web3, it changes this. They can reward you with either their own governance token or either their own sort of um, utility token for doing certain tasks on the platform, such as the more things you write on it, the more things you share on it. So that is sort of the key difference or the, or the promise of Web3. Now, it is all not that simple because we live in a imperfect world where people have greed. <laughs> and so sometimes they do give out tokens, sometimes they don't, sometimes not every token is the same. Some have a lot more inflation built in it, some don't. So you, of course, have to do your own research. And that's why I was like, before we started, I was saying that, you know, I will never advise that go and buy this token or go and buy that token. The only thing I'd advise is that do your own research before you invest into any, any sort of asset and stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, we're seeing a big change in Web3. And obviously, we've got the big the Web2 platforms, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Google. And obviously, we're seeing a number of uh, Web3 platforms starting to compete with the likes of Facebook. And yeah. we've got the likes of Minds as an example, which yes. it's just started gathering some traction. Got 6 million members now. And yeah. obviously it's nothing compared to Facebook, but I think it's a case of these are ones to, uh, to potentially watch and see what happens. We've got Ever, which is a, um, and we'll put links in the show notes to these. Sure, uh, sure. So that people know. 
uh, ever is is an alternative to Reddit, then the alternative to Twitter is Mastodon. So yes. there's, there's there's quite a few, um, and then we've got yeah. LBRY, which is the alternative to YouTube. There's a lot popping up. There are, there are, and there is not a clear winner. You know, um, instead of the number of users, what metrics I would really look at to see if a platform is winning or not, that metrics is just because from my background in startup and that metrics is engagement because any platform can spend money and give out tokens and get initial users, the number of signups. And they can say 6 million, 12 million, 20 million users. Um, of course, no one is going to even go and check in the background. But the real number we need to look at is engagement. That are people coming back every single day. When Facebook was new or when Instagram was new or currently it is TikTok, people spend an insane amount of time on those platforms. So the, the key thing to look at, everything else to me is vanity metrics. The main metrics I would look at is engagement, that how engaged are people. Okay, if it's got 100,000 people, to me, having even like, you know, 100,000 people that are highly, highly engaged coming back every single day is 100 times more valuable probably than 6 million users who rarely go to that platform. Um, because there is a term like what you used to call it is that otherwise they're just building leaky buckets that um, doesn't matter how many new people they'll get. They're just going to not come back after a while. So only thing to look for is engagement in any, any new platform, web two, web three, web one doesn't matter. If people come back every day, that means you build something that's worthwhile. I think you've got great points there without a doubt. And, then, and also I think what we need to say to ourselves is, is, it's the old saying, don't reinvent the wheel. We need to create projects that are actually of use to the community. So yeah, when, yeah, when totally. we're looking at alternatives to Facebook, it's got to be something that actually brings benefit to, yeah. to the users. Now, obviously, one thing that obviously does bring benefit to the users is effectively they're on their own data. As you know, Facebook can pretty much do what they want and do do yeah. what they want. I mean, from an advertiser's yeah. point of view, they can be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, And it's interesting how web is coming along and evolving, i.e. paying people to watch adverts Yeah, as an example. There's, there's some really, really good web-free alternatives out there. I mean, as an example, a really good yes. web-free alternative for Google is pre-search. Um, yes. What I like about pre-search is you can effectively buy keywords that you can have a known for life, so to speak. And, and as long as you're yeah. the highest bidder, then you can keep those keywords. So oh, very interesting. It is. It is. Um, and obviously you can have a pre-search node so you can get involved in, um, which we do have pre-search nodes ourselves because obviously we're yes. miners. So it's kind of an offshoot of the mining. We, d we do a number of uh, nodes like flux nodes and stuff. Yeah. And it is interesting with pre-searching that basically I think that's going to potentially gain uh, traction. But I think it's going to take a while. Because obviously it's a David and Goliath scenario. Yes, yes, there, it absolutely is. The, another search engine that I've been recently using, it's not Web3, but um, it's called Ecosia or something like that, that I set up in, yeah, um, Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A dot org. Um, and basically it goes and plants trees 
based on the number of searches you do. Oh, that's um, cool. oh we're well into the green stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one thing we like doing. It's uh, we generate all our um, obviously with crypto miners, but we generate the electric through anaerobic digesters on farms. So oh. basically, the farms generate the electric, and then we buy the electric off them, and we have the servers based yeah. on farms. Yeah, just a disclaim, uh, disclaim. I mean, I'm not invested or anything in, in Nicosia. I'm just sharing because it sounded like a cool project. And I, I can now see that I've planted 216 trees from all my searches. That's a pretty cool thing. I mean, when you're doing stuff like that, I think it's, wow, look how many trees are planted. That's a hell of a lot of plant, uh, planted trees. Yeah. Yeah, and and they have like um, of on which countries they plant and what type of trees they plant and stuff. As you scroll down, you'd be able to see in the stuff that I shared with you. But it's it's pretty cool. It's so yeah. My eight year old made showed this to me and made me change this <laughs> to this search engine. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna write. But down. you know, they they could easily facilitate and like a new organization could facilitate this via tokens and all the, you know, every thousandth tree or something or every hundred thousandth tree that gets planted, that person, if they're logged in, they get an NFT that they planted tree number 100,000 or something, and then that could be sold and made more money. I mean, there's lots and lots of innovation that is going to be born out of all these things that's, that are coming out. And you know what their project like Ecosia, it's so, so simple. Because they are not using their own search technology. They are using Microsoft search technology. And so a cut gets paid to Microsoft and, uh, and the remaining profit that generally Google or anyone would keep for themselves or even Microsoft would keep themselves um, if it's you search on Bing. But for these guys, they um, put that in planting trees and stuff, that profit. So, so that, that's how they can function as a really lean company and stuff. So the, this could easily be done on, on Web3 or parts of it can be done on Web3 and it could be tokenized and, and those tokens are then used to be sold on a DeFi market and money is used then to plant trees and stuff. So easily this could be done in a Web3 form. It's amazing when you look into Web3 just, just how, if you're looking at the use cases of Web3, and how you know paying out in tokens can potentially really make a big big difference. As we speak, the British government's actually looking at potentially utilizing blockchains for scanning for potholes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so very very interesting. The government paid out thirty million uh, in uh, pothole damage. On average, is two point eight billions worth of damage to British motorists' eye suspension and tires and stuff. No way. So I thought I haven't been, I have lots of friends in UK and stuff, but I thought the roads in UK are good. It's not like US. US has so many potholes, man. It's the, because services there are so lacking these days. No, it's, it's really interesting how, how potentially it's, it could evolve into using web free technology. Are you yeah. driving in your car? You've got a unit that scans for potholes. And depending on how many potholes you scan, you then get paid in tokens. So it's uh, it's obviously um, quite useful. 
So it's a, it's a similar situation to the Node situation. Obviously, you know, you buy a Node, you buy a physical computer, yes. set up a Node, and then you're getting paid in tokens for Flux. Yes. So it's at, they're actually doing it in Bangalore, actually. Oh, okay. They're using blockchain technology to, uh, to track waste management reporting. You know, when you look at potentially the use cases of Web3, they're absolutely infinite. They uh, are infinite use cases, absolutely. And we are just like not even scratching the surface at this stage. We are in such early days. I mean, if you, if you take the internet-enabled bins, but the internet-enabled bins that tell people, uh, yes. councils, when to empty a bin, yeah. they need to be connected to Wi-Fi. So obviously we've got the people's network, i.e., for instance, Helium. Yes. Connect to Helium. Yeah. Great use case for Helium. It enables that technology within the bin to then cut down pollution i.e. guy driving in a van get some rubbish from a, a a bin that doesn't need emptying it's pretty clever stuff if you think about it so it's, it's quite a lot of use cases here so yeah absolutely so you within web3 you specialize in blockchain gaming yes i, I think obviously the play to earn is gonna transform the gaming industry i think oh, it, it absolutely is it absolutely is however gaming is more complex from the human side of things it's not as uh, simple when as soon as you include money it no longer stays for fun it becomes work <laughs> it's it's like you know um i like i like cars so it's like one of my friends was like, oh, why don't you become a mechanic? It's like, no, 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 I don't want to become a mechanic. <laughs> but it's like, this is like before, like we were working yeah, and stuff yeah. in university yeah. and school and stuff. So yeah, it's like, no, I, I like cars for fun. I want to have a drive. I want to, you know, rent a convertible, like a Mustang or something and travel around in US and which I've done and I've done that in a few different cars and convertibles and stuff and, and I want to do things like that that are fun I don't want to make it my <laughs> livelihood otherwise I'll hate it <laughs> I'll hate cars because if I all I have to do is fix them and I have to make money out of them and it becomes work and that's what's happening we have seen that as soon as the uh, play to end games people in Philippines and Indonesia and stuff in Southeast Asia where they're really prominent uh, millions of players there. People all, are starting to approach are. it as as work, They're as a nine to five. Locked to peg axi, didn't they? Yes. Um, I mean, all Xe is suffering because they are now realizing that you have to have fun at the center of it. Money can come later. Money can make it give rewards or things like that um, as later on as a thing. But fun should be at the center of it. And a lot of game developers saw this as an easy win that oh they'll get so many players um, quite fast and they can get some VC money and funding and they can build a big company really, really fast, uh, which is true. But then if you don't have fun as the focus of it all, if you don't do your gamification right, then people are going to leave as soon as there is a next game or a next project paying them even five cents more per hour, you know, um, because if they're not having fun, then they are not emotionally invested in it. They'll just move from one to another game in, like so, a lot faster. It's a really good point you made there. Because um, a lot yeah. of these games have, like you say, suffered pegaxi. The coin's gone to zero. The horses have gone to zero. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and that's bound to happen because people had no emotional attachment. They just went to the next project immediately. But, but the whole premise of blockchain gaming is that the number one utility comes is that um, if you have played any game, um, whether it is FIFA or whether it is, um, say, Call of Duty or, I don't know, Mario or anything like that, you cannot move your characters from one game to another. As soon as you switch off your console, your computer, your, your mobile phone, that game, all the characters in that, they die. They die for, for you pretty much. If you never go back to that game, though, that's the end of it. But now with blockchain gaming, you can take your characters out as an NFT and then you can sell them on an open marketplace. You can gift them to your niece or nephew or your son or daughter and then they can play play with those characters and then they can sell them on as an asset when they are done with it, when they don't want to send someone else can come in and take over from that character from there on. So the 200 hours you invested in upgrading that character are not wasted. You know, you get something out of it. So that's what I see. And the, the other benefit is that interoperability, that you can take your Mario and put that Mario into FIFA and that Mario can run around in, in that stadium and you could do things like that in a, in a purely sort of a blockchain-based environment. And it has been done. It's like um, Steph Curry released his shoes when he, there's an NBA player, basketball player, when he got like 3,000 three-pointers or something, he released 3,000 shoes in NFT form in collaboration with Under Armour. So you could buy those as an NFT. You can put those shoes on your feet in Decentraland, which is like a metaverse. So your character will wear his shoes. But then if, if you choose to move to Sandbox, another uh, metaverse platform, those shoes will come there and they would look of that art style. So you have this interoperability. You could take them from game to game, from one universe to another. And it's only limited to the creativity of the, of the game developers and those metaverse developers and stuff. So this interoperability didn't exist before. It has only starting to exist because of blockchain being this independent because it's not linked to just one company. You could have that number, that NFT number, which is just like a token number, and you can then sell it on any marketplace like OpenSea, um, SuperRare, Redable, anywhere, or you can, you can take it from one game to another and stuff. So that's where my sort of, I see the real, real potential. And then if you make money out of those NF selling those NFTs that you used to game with, it's a bonus. It's great. You got something out of it. Um, but if you just keep money as the center of it, money corrupts the people and, you know, people immediately want to trade. And, and that's what I have heard from good projects as well, that they are sometimes creating things for the fun of it. And immediately people want to trade, immediately people want to game the system <laughs> and because that's just human nature. So I mean, pros and cons of anything. It's interesting you mentioned about, you know, people focused on money, 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 money. Um, yes. When, and, you know, trading the, the coins. My mentor, I mean, my background's investment banking and one of my yes. mentors always used to say to me, Timothy Mars used to say, context is king, trade yes. charts. And the profits will just come naturally. And obviously it's yeah. the same with business. Focus on what you love and what you want to do. And yes. you'll be successful at it. Now, I just want to um, touch base on a couple of things. You mentioned about the metaverse. Yes. Um, 
What do you think the future is for the metaverse, in particular for businesses? How can businesses actually harness the metaverse and make money out of the metaverse as a business owner? Absolutely. It's still、um, yet to be seen which metaverse platform will be the winner. There's quite a few like Decentraland and Sandbox, and there's quite a few and everyday new ones coming up. So we still don't know which one platform will turn into Google or Facebook or Amazon or or like those like really big ones. Whichever one does turn into a big one, their land pieces or or their properties inside the metaverse would be worth the most. So people are at the moment speculating and buying pieces of land, and especially if they see okay, you can buy. They want to buy a piece of land next to Snoop Dogg or next to that because then they think that more people will visit and stuff. So there are already real estate companies buying and then renting those spaces out, rent just like any billboards and stuff. And they will be advertising in the metaverse and stuff that will be adopted. There is still some way to go for the hardware to improve that we can have much better. Of course, you can go through your、um, computer and use your mouse and stuff. But it's not the same experience as wearing the the 3D glasses because you really feel like you are there. Because I the other day I went to、uh, like a Dali exhibition, Salvador Dali art exhibition here in in Auckland, and they had like screens all over and they had all these artwork blown up and everything. And then I did the VR as well. They had the VR experience as well. So you go inside that, inside the painting, move around and. It really gives you a sense of being there inside, inside, or living inside a painting and stuff. So,、um, a lot of the experiences can be taken on on there, and and of course, as there will be an opportunity for more remote sort of working. Everyone in my company works remote. That is a common characteristics of a Web three company. So. You would be able to do meetings and stuff, and see everyone around, sitting around and stuff, and and. Forget that you are not there,、um, because it does give that sort of an an experience. So, so definitely, there's just as you said, you know, the number of opportunities are absolutely countless. It is the massive iceberg underneath that we don't see yet. And the other、uh, principle is of、um, skewmorphic or skewmorphism. I don't know if you have heard of that term before or you've come across that. That you know, when iPhone was brand new. In two thousand eight and nine and all that, all the icons looked like real world counterpart. So, like the music player or sound would be like a cassette, like a cassette tape recorder, and Notepad would be like a real life, like a Notepad like this、um, with the ring binders and everything and stuff. So, because it's like skewmorphism, it's called like、uh, imitating real world. But then over time, it reaches a point. Where all the things made in it are completely new, and there is no real world counterpart because they are only possible because of the phone. So, so then you come up with all sorts of icons and logos because there's no no way to. And then、um, over time, now Apple does not even try to make it look like the real world counterpart. It makes it more and more abstract. So these sort of what do you call functionality will come in future. Which is non-skewmorphic, and we we wouldn't like we have never seen anything like that before. Just like when we had those brick massive brick Motorola phones back in the days, and all if someone thought, oh, do you want a better phone? All people would think is a smaller phone, and still doing the same thing. People wouldn't think of Instagram, or people wouldn't think of 
TikTok and watching funny videos on your phone or watching and looking at someone's food picture from the day before, you know, because that's just not what we are thinking. And just like that, what blockchain is going to bring in the next five, 10 years, we, we are not thinking because we just cannot think. We have not reached there incrementally yet. <laughs> so we, we will get there. Now, got a couple of questions for you. Obviously, yes. this is a crypto-based uh, podcast, but we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this and businesses. Yes. So what advice would you give to yourself if you were going to start out again? Oh, absolutely. First of all, I have always wanted to speak at events and do this, what I'm doing right now and meet amazing people like you and all that. And for some reason, I didn't do it for most of my life. I only started in like, what, um, 2019 <laughs> uh, or 2020, I started um, doing all this and I'm having so much fun. Last week, I spoke at like probably six different podcasts and two different events. Um, a couple of them were like really big events as well. And it's like, I, I just didn't do it for, for some reason. I thought, oh, it's not me, it's other people and stuff. And and just one day I started doing this and I, it's just because every time I used to go to a conference or an event and my wife used to ask me, oh, so how was it? And it's like, oh, I, I, I could have done a better job. And so she was like, okay, so why don't you? So then I started talking. I started writing books. I started going and speaking at events, hosting events, moderating panels or being in the panel. And, and I'm having so much fun. So I wouldn't hold myself back up. It was a mindset shift more than anything else. And I would have that mindset shift um, 18 years ago because all these things compound or even 20 years ago. Yeah, these sort of things compound just like money. And these things compound a lot faster and much more. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you are waiting for something, just go for it. Have that mindset shift right now. <laughs> Mindset's absolutely critical to success. Yes. Yes. On my door, on my exit door of my um, offices, for my staff, I have... The words, your attitude determines your direction. Yeah, so true. Going out the door, that's, that's what they read last. So true. And, and especially in your field, in finance, which you have come from, I've seen mindset is everything. You have to have the right mindset because there'll be good days, there'll be bad days, but you have to, you know, you have to have the right mindset. Absolutely, really, really do need mindset at the moment for crypto. And it actually it's cool. Yes. It's, it's actually an interesting one to, we should potentially get some people on podcasts for, for mindset because it ended there. This is when the real money is made. When we are heading towards the bottom, we could see further downside. I, I think potentially you could see absolutely. Uh, yeah. Potentially three, seven, five as an example. But my point is, is obviously if you're DCA in now and you've not given up, yes. then you're going to make some real money because the fact is, is, Someone said to me, a friend of ours said to me the other day, they said, are you really depressed with what's happened in crypto? Because obviously you're big in crypto. And I says, no, I says, I says, I'm going to put it to you this way. I said, yes, I've lost money, just like probably everyone else. I said, you know, if you were to realize your actual losses on paper. But I look at it this way. If I had bought Bitcoin at 69,000 at the peak, when everyone was saying it's going to go to 100,000, my downside risk is immense because of the pump that we've had. I said, now my downside risk is, is now is, is a factor, a factor of three and a half at the moment compared to that. And if is even more from yeah. where if is uh, now from yes. where it was. So 
you've got a massive potential. You've got once in a lifetime opportunity. And I think that's the best way to look because you, you will make your 10x gains. You will make your 100x gains. Now, you wouldn't have last year. There's no way unless you absolutely got lucky or you had inside knowledge to speak that you'd be making the 100x gains. Yeah, 100%. So that's my take on, on where we're at as we speak. So I have another question for you that's always a good and interesting. Yes. I have a couple, couple of actually very interesting ones. What is your formula for success? If you could describe it in one sentence, what is the most important part of your formula? I don't think I have made like a mathematical um, formula, but it is more sort of I optimize my life to do two things. And number one is working with the best people in the world because that has a huge impact on, on how you feel, how happy you feel, how sad you feel, how much you learn, how much you grow as a person. Because you, people say that you are an average of the five people you spend time with. That is so, so true. You know, you show me someone's five friends and I can pretty much even tell you how much money they have in their bank account because it is just so, so true. So that is one thing I optimize with is that I want to work with the best and the smartest people in the world. The, the second thing I, I would say is that I would like to build something that is really, really substantial in future. So I will try and gain all the skills to move towards that. So whatever is needed, I do that um, in that stage. I mean, whatever is needed to get to that point, I try and learn and acquire those skills along the way. So that, that is how I sort of formulate my, my life around. I, I look at these two criteria and does it match it? If yes, then yeah, let's go in that direction. So yeah, and and one of the way you can do that is by using leverage. And there's a few different ways of leverage. You work in finance, you know that you can use financial leverage. You can use um, OPM, like other people's money. Um, that, but then there are other types of leverage. You can use leverage of human resource. You can build a team and other people's time to to help you. And and everyone can move in that direction. You know, as long as people have the similar vision. And then the, the third one is like leverage of networks and stuff. And then the fourth one is leverage from technology. So that's why I'm always looking at the new and the latest technology. And blockchain is one of that sort of technology that has massive, massive potential. That's great. You've touched on some really good points. There. I mean, you are right. Surround yourself with better people. When I, I, I try to do that, and obviously it's one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I get yes great people like yourself and it is it's truly inspiring when you're you're around people that are actually positive and yes also have a, a more in-depth knowledge struck experience in in a particular aspect that you you need to gain knowledge in it's not so yeah. much the what it's the who and i mean we're part of the click funnels community part of two cx yes. and one of the things when i sold my property business I always wanted to become number one within the property business uh, within Yorkshire. And I didn't do. Yes. And I then analyzed and looked at it and said, right, we were weak in marketing. Hence the reason we yes. joined up with ClickFunnels. And I've learned so much from the guys at ClickFunnels and they're highly successful, absolutely different types of businesses, whether it be marketing or whether it's gym businesses or supplements or you can pretty much apply a lot of what they do to any type of, type of sector. 
And they always go, it's not your, your what, it's your who. I, who is the best at X? Who is the best yes. at Y? And that's where you get the information and you learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Russell Brunson, right? Um, it is. Funnels. Yeah, it is, yeah. He is, he is our mentor in the marketing. Yes. Uh, yeah, very, best. very strong at marketing. Extremely good at marketing. I would say, I mean, I'm not just saying this because, uh, you know, we, we were in this community. I would say he's the best marketer in the world, hands down. Uh, he's, he's up there on the top 10. He's, he, he's amazing. And he's also yeah. a great guy. You know, he's actually... yeah. A very, very likable guy. So you, you always buy from people that you know, like, and trust. And Exactly right. Now, what motivational quote inspires you? We'll end on this. I know. I, I read that and I thought, okay, which motivational quote inspires me? Um, you know, there's so many different quotes that come. I come across at, at different, different times is in my life. And that I read online or read on in different books that impact me at that time. But one book that I highly, highly recommend, it's like, it is full of quotes. It's a very short book and it is, it's called, It's All in the Mind by, by Russ. It's by a rapper. It's all in the mind. It's all in your head. Sorry. It's all in your head and it's by Russ and I wouldn't recommend you to read that book. I would recommend you to listen to that because he's a rapper or a singer. Right. So you don't get the music. You don't get the music notes and stuff. Um, and, and it's just his story and, and how it is all about mindset and it's all in your head. It's only one and a half hour long and I've heard it so many times. And it is so good that, you know, you have to believe in it. Like you have to believe in it before even you've got it in your success. Um, but he says it in a much more lyrical way. He says everything in so much better way, much better storytelling, much better music. So I can do justice, but yeah, do, do check it out. Um, I, whenever I need inspiration, um, I, I listen to that book again because <laughs> it's so short. It's good, actually, that you, you bring up reading a book multiple times because a lot yeah. of people will try and read as many books as possible, me included. I do, I do read, try and read a book a week. But oh, that's fantastic. There's certain books that I do actually read over again. Yes. Um, because I learned this from a guy called Alex Armozzi, which again... Oh, I love him. I love Alex Armozzi. You're one of the best marketers. Alex Hermosi reminds me of Russ pretty much. <laughs> well, he's part no. of the ClickFunnels kind of community. I mean, basically. Yes, yes, I know. It, he is. Sales, number- when it comes to sales, yep. very few people are as good. I love his insights. I love all his work. He's, a, again, he's a really not likable guy. And yes. he's amazingly successful. If you want to learn sales, he's the man. He um, is the man. What yeah. he said, which struck me, and I've started doing this on these particular books, and I'll put the link in the show notes, actually, just, just for, for yeah. anyone that wants to know about these books. Um, it's not crypto per se. It's, not, it's nothing to do with crypto. Yeah. It's traffic secrets, expert secrets, and dot-com secrets. Dot-com secrets. I cycle around those books on Audible, and yes. I've, I learn all the marketing side, and I've applied it to each business that we're in. Um, and that, that's what Alex Amosi said. He said, look, rather than read loads of books, read these books 
and relentlessly learn what's in them and then execute them. And uh, yeah. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it as a test. And uh, it definitely, definitely, definitely does work. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that we don't give um, justice to is that Alex Hermosi has got courage, <laughs> more courage than most people I've met in my life combined together. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you know of Alex, Alex Hermosi's um, personal story and all the things he had with the setting up the gym training business and all so the times he lost bar. money and yes and and so many times he lost money and came to bankruptcy multiple times and you know everything that he's done but uh, very few people have balls like him like he is just insane it's like as soon as even there is a small spark or a small chance of success he can go all in put all his chips on the bat and and go big and hire like six more people. It's like the first guy he's just hired and he's got hardly and, and put everything on credit card. And there's few people I, I know there are like that, but most people don't have. And that's why we are not going to be able to move as fast as him. We'll be moving three times slower because we are not going to bet our house and car and all our credit cards and max out everything at a, even a slightest chance of success. So we'll do things a little bit slowly. So I have more realistic expectations when it comes to like growth for most people because he's in a in a different level of courage <laughs> that he can apply. No, he is he is really good. I mean, obviously, our story is when we sold the property business, yes. We then went into we said, hey, let's try and create the WeWork in Yorkshire. Yeah. And we were doing all right. We we had customers like Sky and Channel 4 to, to name a few. And then COVID hit and it killed the business. Oh and man, that would be so hard. It's not your fault. No, no one's fault, you know? And it, it was an interesting one because I, that's when I read his book because I was like, how do you come back from being on the brink of, you know, in a, a financial dis- ruin? Yeah, absolutely. It was a disaster. There's no two ways about it. Yes. And this is when we actually discovered crypto mining. Uh, we discovered yes. that we actually discovered the crypto back then. And that's when we went all in into into crypto and all in into crypto mining now it's interesting we've seen this massive pullback so obviously the machines are earning anything like like what they were but the, the fact is i do see that the potential of the use case of these machines in the future could potentially yield uh, amazing results absolutely because i heard that it takes even up to thirty-two thousand dollars or something to generate one Bitcoin and the one Bitcoin's value is around 21 now, or what was it last? Yeah, something like that. You're looking at the likes of, say, Riot, who are on Marathon, who are the biggest. They can generate a Bitcoin for about 7,000. Oh, wow. In electric. So obviously they're still making money. It's the smaller miners that aren't. I mean, certainly, obviously, just like everyone else, we've been affected by the downturn in the actual prices because... The prices do actually matter quite a lot when it comes to mining. But we quickly kind of recognized it, you know, when we got into this, that it's actually the cost of the uh, electric, hence the reason we moved yes. pretty quickly to generating our own electric. Yeah. But it's interesting challenges, it's interesting times. There's not two ways about it. It's, um, it's, Absolutely. It, it is, but obviously I see it as an exciting time. I do, I, I really yes. do. So yeah. other people might think I'm a bit nuts. But uh, I do, and I'm really, I'm really yeah. positive about what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, 
just talking about the the quote and the stuff and the re, yeah re, um listen to that book it's all in your head because it's all along the same lines of well, like <laughs> alex hermosi and and the guys that you mentioned and Russell, um Br- brunson and stuff so yeah um i think you'll enjoy it and the thing is that he's so smart man um the way he organized his his music and distribution and stuff that he's making like 10 15 times more money than most other rappers and stuff even though he's like that many times smaller <laughs> um he's making something like i don't know 11 or 12 million dollars in net a few years ago when you know all the rappers when they make like a 1 million dollar contract with a record company and they are celebrating and then he's like breaking down that you're a fool it's like you're taking 1 million dollar and then you'll have to pay 300,000 in some sort of a fees to your different agents and stuff. And then 300,000 will go in takes and out of 300,000, you bought a car and you did this within six months, you're going to be bankrupt. <laughs> He's so good. He's like, but then the model that he did for himself and he's making like 11 to 12 million net after paying everything. <laughs> so it's pretty smart guy. Awesome. So, yeah. well, I'm, def- I'm definitely going to download that. I'm going to get it on audible if I can get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I, I did listen on Audible as well. So, yeah, it's there. It's been a pleasure. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Where, where can people reach out to you to find out more about what you do? Yeah, so um, if you're building a Web3 game, blockchain game, or interested in it, reach out to me. would love to connect with you. You can reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm quite active. So Sam Kamani, S-A-M-K-A-M-A-N-I. Or um, look for me on any audio platform. You'd find my podcast or I'm guest at multiple podcasts and multiple places. So yeah, you'll find me on on internet. Just search for my name and you'll find me probably. So yeah. It's been a pleasure. And that brings us to the end of the Easy Crypto Podcast. One day, crypto will be easy. That's what we hope. <laughs> That's fantastic. All righty. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. As I've gone on my crypto journey myself over the last couple of years, I'm all too aware of the overwhelming amount of information available online when it comes to investing in crypto. So thank you for choosing the Easy Crypto Podcast. It means a lot to me. Hopefully what I've shared today will help you on your investing journey, just like it did me. There's no reason why you can't go and make use of what you've learned today straight away. I'm living proof that these secrets and strategies I've shared with you do work. Please, by all means, feel free to share this with someone else you know who could benefit from it. That's the quickest way that we can build a collaborative community where we can share tricks and strategies which can turn our crypto investments into big profits. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the latest tricks which could transform your crypto future. Every week we'll be covering a different aspect of crypto investment, so whether it's NFTs, mining or the metaverse, you really can't afford to miss out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Christopher Hitchin and this is the Easy Crypto Podcast and I'll see you next time.